Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Second podcast this week. It's Friday, ahead of a frantic finish in the Big 12 basketball season. And if their schedule is screwed up, why don't we twist ours up a little bit, Chris, and preview the Final Four, if you will? If you will, I will. Let's do it. I, I you you messaged me about this. I like the idea. It's an important week, a, a very important week. I think uh, not only for seeding in the Big Twelve tournament, but the NCAA tournament. And um, I mean, lots of thoughts. We've been talking about this about how this was going to be a disaster towards the end, and Big Twelve needed to do something. They needed to do something. They needed to do something. And holy crap, they did something. I can't believe it. Mike, what were your initial thoughts when they finally did something? Well, one was we did it again. We did not record Monday on the Q&A because <laughs> we had a full day on the site and we suspected we would get some news from the Big 12 about the schedule because, you know, West Virginia plays Tuesday. You think you would like to let them go to bed Monday knowing whether or not they're going to bus to Waco or bus to the airport and end up in Morgantown after playing TCU. Didn't happen. They found out Tuesday that they were headed home. I thought that was strange. We, of course, podcasted on Tuesday and spent time trying to solve the problem. Um, and, of course, that's only out for hours before the Big 12 releases it. And we found out um, kind of through different back channels the Baylor game on Thursday uh, was off. wasn't going to happen. And we discovered that part of the resolution was that West Virginia would indeed get all three of the home games, it was due from postponements earlier in the season. That meant four in a row to end the season. That has never happened as a member of the conference, four games in a row at home in conference play. And I think that was a surprise. I think a lot of people thought, yeah, they'll get one against Baylor back. They won't play two. And that game is probably going to be in Waco because Baylor, Baylor, right? Maybe Baylor doesn't need to be in airports and hotels and airplanes right now, given everything that's happened. And, you know, maybe the Big 12 just likes to jab and taser West Virginia whenever they get a chance. So why not have them play at Waco and never get the number two ranked team in the country on their home floor? I guess we're cynical, Chris, aren't we? <laughs> I guess so. And and you and I, you know, like you said, we mentioned we podcasted on Tuesday. Official word kind of came down Tuesday, and they were discussing things on Tuesday. But we got a tip on that on Monday, and we looked around. We asked around, and I think you know, again, in I think maybe this is a mistake on my part. I, w- I was very narrow minded on the fact that uh, you know we'd heard that the game against Baylor was going to be off, and I was very narrow. I was focused on more positive tests with Baylor that they were going to have, you know, delays and they weren't going to play again this week. And I was thinking in my head, this is insane. This is crazy. And then when they were going to set to play on Tuesday night and everything was good there, it was like, Oh, okay. Maybe that was a bad tip. It was not a bad tip. It was a great tip. It just wasn't what we thought it was. And it was that actually the big 12, like you said, maybe just too cynical on our part. The big 12 was actually doing something that was favorable to WVU. Very favorable. You'd say. I mentioned this before. Bob Huggins does not misspeak. He's calculated. Um, he crunches the numbers with his words, and he knows the odds. And you know, maybe he played the long con here. Do you think nine years of complaining about the schedule <laughs> was all designed to wiggle out of a pandemic at the end of it and get four games in a row at home? Or do you think maybe they're just kind of like throwing them a bone here? You know, sooner or later these bills come due, and why not right now? Question: Do are are guys making shots in practice? Has that been around longer or 
getting home at 5 a.m. been around longer. Mm. Chicken or the egg? I'm not sure. I think both of them around same amount of time. It's it's been a thing, especially lately. And it's not that he, again, it's not that he doesn't have a point. He's 100 percent right. I mean, it's terrible travel. They get back late. It's tough on tougher on West Virginia than anybody else in the league. And I, I did feel like he was hammering that home more lately than he ever has. And, and you know, maybe there was a purpose to that. Something else about Huggins, too. I always say this about him that it's kind of remarkable, but he always gets back to me. And probably other reporters, too. I don't know. I'm not them. But I, I can think of very, very few times he hasn't responded to me. So Monday, we had heard about the possibility the Baylor game was off. And, and I will tell you that West Virginia did not know that. Um, they had heard me and they, the, some people that I talked to were like, really? What's going on? Is it Baylor? Is it COVID? What's the deal? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Um, and then Tuesday, we found out there would be a meeting with the athletic directors and the Big 12 basketball leadership, and they would figure this whole thing out and propose a schedule, and here you go. And that's when West Virginia figured out, hey, we make it a four in a row here at home. That was cool. So on Monday morning, I actually – Tuesday morning, I'm sorry, uh, 9.23, I texted Huggins and just asked him a question. Hey, have you heard anything about this? I'm just trying to figure something out. What's the deal? Uh, yesterday, 7.16 p.m. <laughs> yep, in Morgantown. So they're playing Baylor in Morgantown. But he always gets back to me. That's unbelievable. What a guy. Uh, that's Hall of Fame correspondence there, if you ask me. So he'll probably get my vote. Um, I do think, though, that this is, I don't know, I want to say as advantageous a schedule as you can probably get, all things considered, this late in the season. I don't know if that's hyperbolic or not, but like I'm looking at the schedule here. Four in a row at home in eight days is tough because it's four in eight days. But you don't have to travel at all. All these teams are traveling here. A couple of these teams, Kansas State isn't doing anything irregular, but Baylor certainly is. TCU squeezing a game in. Oklahoma State squeezing a game in. I, I mean, if you're if you're trying to climb up the the seeding levels here from a three to a two, or stay away from a four and be solidly in the three, and maybe you can reach a two in Kansas City, I, this is the way to do it, right? Yeah, uh, four home games all in a row. Uh, two of the bottom three teams in the league, TCU and Kansas State. Uh, among those four, Oklahoma State a little bit above. I mean, uh, technically they're ahead of Texas Tech in the standings. They're, you know, Texas Tech viewed a little more highly nationally, but um, that that Oklahoma State game would be the fourth of the four, meaning Oklahoma State is traveling and traveling and traveling, and then coming to Morgantown at the very end of four games in eight days. So maybe they're a little more tired than West Virginia is. Um, of course, you still got Baylor stuffed in the middle there at, at the number two team, but again at home instead of down in Waco and Baylor will be in the middle of their long trek around everywhere. So man, it, <laughs> it doesn't get much better with how tough the big 12 is. This might be the easiest stretch they'll have is since the non-conference uh, season, you know, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Certainly. What's at stake here right now? We mentioned two versus three um, Baylor with one win clinches the conference championship. Am I correct? I believe so. Okay. If West Virginia goes 4-0 and and Baylor goes 0-4, that's the only way that Baylor doesn't win the conference championship. I'm looking at this now. Kansas is 11-6 and and plays Baylor. If Baylor wins that one, it's over. And there's no way West Virginia can catch him, and, and Kansas wouldn't have the 12th win or anything like that, and they would be 0-2 against Baylor. So that's it. Um the conference championship, the one seed, that's all finished up pretty soon. If it's not Saturday, it's probably going to be sooner than later. Baylor plays at Kansas, at West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and home. Um, 
interestingly, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Not playing Saturday. There's going to be two games on Sunday. If you're going to quibble at all with the schedule here, why isn't West Virginia, Oklahoma State on Sunday? Because Oklahoma State has a mouthful here. They go at Oklahoma, and then they play host to Oklahoma Saturday, Monday. They go at Baylor, at West Virginia. I don't know. If I'm if I'm being picky because I'd like to be picky with a Big 12, that game could be on a Sunday, right? I guess so. I mean, but in that, uh, no. I was trying to think of my schedule there. No. And there's plenty That's... of games for TV inventory, too. Right. On Saturday. And I was about to say my, my first move would have been to have that game on a Monday, the uh, Baylor-West Virginia game. But I see Baylor's playing Kansas. That's a Saturday at 8 p.m. So that's, that really rules out the Saturday-Monday because that's something that you know teams are routinely doing in this league. So that would have been normal. And that would have been I, – I, I would have liked the idea of game Saturday, game Monday, and then two days in between before the third game and then two days, you know, before the fourth instead of uh, – because then that now the way it sits, it's three games in six days or three games in five days there, and, and that's kind of tough to end it. But it, you can't do that, I guess, if you already got that 8 p.m. primetime ESPN game between Baylor and Kansas on Saturday night. So that, that's and tough again, to... Baylor, can, Baylor of all teams, that a lot of attention on them can win the conference championship that game. So understand. Yeah. Um, other oddities here: West Virginia with four at home is interesting. Texas, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. At Texas Tech, at Iowa State, at Oklahoma, at TCU. Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So they are using the Sunday game for some other people, but four in a row on the road. <laughs> that's brutal. Not a great end of the season here. And again, that's because of I. I they had pauses. They were affected by pauses. Uh, that's an issue. And Oklahoma will only get to 17 games. They'll play that back-to-back of Oklahoma State. They play Texas on Thursday, and then nothing after that. They'll have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way till the start of the Big 12 tournament off. And then we mentioned Oklahoma State road home, back-to-back against Oklahoma, and then two road games there too. So uh, no one has no one has a lie right now like West Virginia. That's maybe surprising, but certainly it's advantageous because, again, we're talking about the difference between a 4 and a 3, a 3 and a 2, seeding in the Big 12 tournament. Um, a lot is at stake. How do you see them entering Kansas City, because I guess that would be first, and then what's realistic as far as going to Indianapolis? I think anything other than a two seed for West Virginia at this point. I mean that that is where they are currently is a two seed because uh, it is based off of winning percentage. And while they're you know no games behind Kansas, you know they're nine and four. Kansas is eleven and six. So in the standings, they're going to look like they're they're tied. But West Virginia has has a good little leap on them. But still, you need to go. Oh, man, I know you've already done all the tiebreakers. I guess they can go two and two, and then they'll be eleven and six. But Kansas will be twelve and six. So I guess they can't. I guess you got to go three and one here to to guarantee your spot at the number two seed. But anything less than that, I think would be would be kind of disappointing given the way this schedule where they are now, which is currently in second, and the fact that they have four home games, including two against you know two of the three worst teams in the league. Mm-hmm. It, they can win. They could lose once and twice and end up as a number two seed in the tournament. Um, it, it gets fuzzy after that. Can they be 10 and seven? It, maybe, I guess that would not get them to, you know, because Kansas would have 11 wins. So they can lose once and twice and still have second place. It, it gets, you know, you need some help to do that. You're going to have to have, you know, teams blow you not winning as many games. But again, that's, that's great wiggle room too. If you can actually slip up twice against a Baylor or Oklahoma State. By the way, Oklahoma State has more wins in the Coliseum than any other Big 12 team. 
Oklahoma and Oklahoma State both have five. So that team isn't scared to come in here. They won three in a row before losing last year. So that's not a, an easy one there. And they're playing pretty well. I think they've won three in a row after their pause, too. So that's not an easy one. So if you lose to Baylor and you lose to Oklahoma State, you're still not necessarily out of number two in the Big 12. I would think, yeah, if they end up in the three seed there, again, not a great difference between two and three. But that means they probably don't have all the momentum and they don't have all the – I don't know, that swagger that they've kind of tried to to bottle up and bring from one city to the next, they don't really have that in full force that they find themselves at 11 and 6. Still not the end of the world, though, because that 2-3, you avoid the one until the championship game, and probably good to stay clear of Baylor this season. Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. And for the same reasons that you're trying to stay in that 2-3 is the same reasons that you want to stay in the 2-3 uh, two and three lines for the NCAA tournament, which if you're sliding out of the two, the two, if you're sliding out of the two seed in the big 12 into the third or even heck fourth or fifth seed, because it is pretty tight behind there. Um, you know, you're going to be sliding NCAA tournament obviously too. And, and we've mentioned it a thousand times. You want to stay on that three line. You know, everybody wants to talk about trying to get up to the two line. That's fine. That's good. Uh, but it's more important. It's more important to avoid the four line than it is to move up to the two line is how I put it just, just because of that facing off the number one seeds for those not catching on there. Absolutely. Let's talk tiebreakers really quick in the big 12 in case this thing does end up in a, a tie because don't have to worry about in the tie with Baylor because they're not going to get the 18 and they're not going to come back down with all those losses anyways. But uh, Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia will all play 17 games. Oklahoma State will play 18. So Oklahoma State's kind of out of the conversation. TCU, I believe, gets to seven. Excuse me, Texas Tech, I believe, gets to 17. But really, they're going to have a hard time in any tiebreaker at West Virginia because they're 0-2 against West Virginia. So you don't have to worry too much about them. Um, let's talk tiebreakers between the teams that are most likely to maybe end up in a hypothetical here. That would be West Virginia against Texas and or Oklahoma in 17-game standings right Oklahoma State can't get in we're going to discount Texas Tech because it would be a darn near perfect run for them to make it up there um it's pretty easy here head to head Texas is one on one um so they would split with Texas and you go against a team in the higher standings they have a chance to beat Baylor which no one else has done Texas can't do that um and Texas doesn't have a chance to play them they already are 0-1 against Baylor this season so that's not going to work um and then Oklahoma wins the tiebreakers against West Virginia because they're 2-0 and if it goes to a three-team tiebreaker, they're one and one. Actually, they're one and zero against Texas with a game to go, I believe. No, no, hmm. split. My bad. So they're three and one against those two teams. So they're going to win that multi-team tiebreaker. My point being, this isn't very complicated. Um, these things can be really fuzzy sometimes, and you get a spider web in there. But you know, unfortunately for West Virginia, zero and two against Oklahoma, that's going to hurt them. And Head-to-head, obviously, but in multi-teams with Texas. One-on-one against Texas, but again, the great thing here is they have a chance to beat Baylor, which would give them a win against the top team, the top-ranked team in there. And the ties in there are are interesting because the further you have to go down to figure out who has a win against Baylor. Um, If West Virginia goes 0-1 against Baylor, that would be the same as an 0-2 for somebody else. You have to go down to Kansas, maybe Texas, maybe Oklahoma, if you're depending on those tiebreakers, Oklahoma State too. They have a chance to beat Oklahoma State. Go 2-0 and against them, that would help in tiebreakers. Um, they have a chance to use that win against Texas to help them, against Kansas to help them out, because that is, I don't know, usually that's a hard thing to do, but Kansas still hasn't dropped a ton of games in tiebreakers this year. 
my point being, again, they have a chance here at the end to kind of stay clear of some trouble with tiebreakers just by winning games and uh, avoiding those things that, again, are, are not necessarily in their favor, but can help them out when it comes to breaking those ties. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Uh, you, you're breaking my brain, Mike. I tried to do this with the football back and when it was like, you know, hey, if, if this happens exactly this over the next three weeks, there is a one-tenth of a percent chance of West Virginia sneaking into the Big 12 championship game. And, and I think it changed, uh, you know, the following weekend, had to redo it again and basketball. <laughs> and you're adding in a lot of teams here. But I think it's, like you said, the, the easy part here is that, man, that season sweep, from Oklahoma is just killer for it. That, that season sweep from Oklahoma is the same as that loss to Texas in the football season where it just screws you on, not just in the standings, but in all tiebreakers, all tie situ- anything in all those situations. And you're, you're just done. So uh, that one's going to hurt for a little while, but again, they're in position now and uh, got to kind of, I guess, hope that Oklahoma Loses a couple more games here to really have a chance to win any tiebreakers. Yeah, and this is this is kind of what's crazy about that too. The other part about it is too is Texas is two and zero against Kansas. So if you get into Kansas as the next highest ranked team, if you're even or you don't have a win against some of these teams, that's a differentiator there. West Virginia one and one against Kansas, Texas two and zero. West Virginia zero and two against um, Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma Texas played this week too. Um, Oklahoma's one and zero right now against Texas, so. A one-on-one would even things out quite a bit. 0-2 would help West Virginia's case. So there's there's a lot to be decided. But again, it's not it's not very complicated here. And typically these things can be too. So um, that's that's a tricky part. Now, what work does West Virginia have to do? Sliding scale here, I understand. Regular season, Big 12 tournament to get up into the two. And then would a 7-0 run be good enough for a one seed? Can we have that conversation? Yes. If you win the Big 12 conference... And and fin- you know finish, so you're talking twenty three and six, with probably the most quadrant one wins of any team in the country or up there. Nine game win streak. Nine game win streak. You are a one seed. Period. End of story. Um, to get to a two seed, I think you have to find some combination of. So they got four games left, and then. You're not going to play in the opening round, but then you're going to have eight, four, two, potential three more games. I think you have to find some combination of five and two in there. Hmm. Do you think that's enough, or do you think, or do you think you, it's less to get a two seed? There, 
they're like the number one three seed in almost every projection I see. Which makes you think they may not have to do that a whole lot because people above them are, I mean, not everybody above them can stay up, right? Right, yeah. So five and two may be enough. I, I really wonder when the two losses come. They lose to Baylor and they bow out of the Big 12 tournament in the semifinal or final, sure. If they, if they drop a game to Kansas State, if they don't make it to the finals of the Big 12 tournament, it's relative, I understand that. That's what makes this so tricky, but I'm with you. I think that they could lose once in the regular season and once in the tournament and, and be okay. Yeah. I mean, I think if you go if you go five and two, you lose to, say, Baylor in the regular season, and then Baylor in the Big Twelve championship game. That puts you five and two to finish out twenty one and eight, with you know, all eight losses being two teams. You know, quadrant one. I think the only one that would be quote unquote as bad as Florida. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty darn good resume. That's a really darn good resume. The doomsday device here for West Virginia in the schedule and the seven games maybe remaining if they have to, actually if they play seven, don't even worry about it. But if they, I don't know, lose two and don't win in Kansas city, I mean, messing with the four. Are they, are they no worse than three mm. barring an zero and five finish here? Say you go two and two with, um, you know, your only wins being Kansas state and TCU, you lose to Baylor, you lose to Oklahoma state, and then you lose, so you're talking, you're probably playing somebody in the first round that is, what, Texas, maybe? Uh, Oklahoma, maybe Oklahoma State again, something like that, depending on how that middle of the Big 12 standings pack kind of jumbles out. Mm-hmm. But you're playing someone someone like that. So a good team, NCAA tournament team. But if you go two and three to finish this, and your only two wins are TCU and Kansas State, Man, you really might be pushing your luck on that four seed. Like you really might be. A, yeah, I think I think you're four seed. That's a tough finish. I mean, I know it's a realistic finish. I know it's a hard. Like you know, that'd be three straight games against NCAA tournament teams, or three three losses to NCAA tournament teams. But they don't like that. Bob Huggins said it himself. He said he, his understanding was that this selection committee uses the the quadrants and the net rankings and all that stuff. But then. Towards the end of the season, they use the eyeball test, and if West Virginia's losing to every good team they play in the last two weeks, they might notice. Yeah, that Oklahoma State game feels sneaky big. Like, obviously, if you lose to Kansas State and or TCU, that's that's a hammer to your strength of schedule and a lot of your arguments. But And Baylor, I think you can be forgiven if you lose to Baylor. that I haven't lost yet, so you're doing nothing different from everybody else. But if you lose to Oklahoma State, that's one of those games where is Oklahoma State good? Maybe. Um, is West Virginia good? Maybe not. You know, that's one of those things I think people are looking at. And the, and the tricky part about it is, too, um, the net hasn't liked West Virginia very much. No. They're 15 right now, which is kind of low when you consider they're a top 10 team. And But then again, the projections have them in that that number one three spot, maybe number two. And that's like, again, a top 10 evaluation. So not too far, but again, it's it's kind of been picky about them but you look at what they've done seven road wins of the people above them in the net only one has more can you name this team i'm assuming it's gonzaga right negative they have seven Mm. no then i don't know it's loyola chicago okay. okay uh and then they have six quad wins three teams have more above them quad one wins i should say i'm sorry uh ohio state oklahoma I don't know the other one. No, Gonzaga has seven. Illinois has seven. Ohio State has nine. So, oh, what happened to Oklahoma? They were ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Not there. Okay. Oh, they're below. Wow, they're way lower than West Virginia in the net rankings. Holy oh. cow. Well, you lose to Bruce Weber. Yeah, that'll happen. I mean, that's going to hurt, I guess, too. And let's get out on this, too. Remaining games, we've mentioned, obviously, that Oklahoma State's important. Baylor's tricky. What danger is there in the the purple back-to-back here? I don't. I guess it's not back-to-back, but the, the two purple teams they play. Um, purple team is an homage to Justin Jackson, by the way. I'm sure he's listening. He coached a purple team in Preston County for many years. Highly successful, as you would tell. Um, but Bruce Weber has suddenly won two in a row. And then, I don't know, you get Jamie Dixon in close proximity. His team wasn't embarrassed or blown out. They can match up some things and do pretty well there, too. Um, I'm not sure that they lose both of them. But there's some threat posed by March, Bruce Weber. We're not quite there, right? It's not Tom Izzo <laughs> month, but yeah. like. He's got his team playing harder. They're healthy. They're back together. I don't know. Huggins likes their young talent. And then that, oh, man, that TC game is just in such a weird spot after Baylor before Oklahoma State. That one seems like it's really tricky to me. Let's start there. TCU, going to be tough. I mean, they that game was 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 pretty tight there for a while. And, and you and I discussed it beforehand where, oh, man, it could be one of those 61-60 games where, you know, Culver's in foul trouble and, McNeil and Sherman aren't hitting shots and McBride's having an off night. It was trending very, very much in that direction. How um, much, Chris? Did someone text <laughs> you and say 61 61 with two minutes left? Yeah, you were you, you saw it coming and, and it and it was, oh God, here it is. This is it. It's happening. So that's that's on the table. That's in play. That could absolutely happen when they come to Morgantown next week. So you have to be prepared for it. And then Kansas State, let's you know, I, I I've I've Giving them a hard time because I mean, God, they, their record is terrible, it's just terrible, seven and eighteen overall. But they have not exactly been playing like a seven and eighteen team uh, recently. Like if you go back, uh, they were competitive. I was this? I, I don't have the dates on it, but they were pretty competitive in a game against Texas Tech, and then a couple of days later, three point loss to Texas. A couple of days later. Uh, six point or seven point loss where I think it was a little closer than that. Uh, and they were actually leading uh, at no, at then number 23, Oklahoma State. Uh, got blown out by Kansas and then beat TCU and then beat Oklahoma. So they're on a run here where, yeah, they went two and four in those six games I'm talking about. But five of those six games were against top 25 teams and they were competitive in five of those six games as well. So they're, they're, they're not playing like a team that is sitting, uh, you know, what three and 13 in the league right now. Yeah. The, the West Virginia focus is going to be one of those things that's tested now too. They've, um, they've dealt with the adverse stuff pretty well and they haven't done that in the past. Their success in the road this year is significant. I think, I mean, again, winning more conference road games, and road games in general, never before under Huggins. That's significant to me because this is a team that wasn't very good in the road before. And also, remember, they lost like seven in a row on the road. So it's not like they were losing games. They just couldn't win. They couldn't get over. They didn't have the winning habits. They're good at that. And then I just think that what's true for a lot of teams, a specific number, not a large one, is true for West Virginia that they've just been through so much that there's something dangerous now about having something easy in front of you. Yeah. Because they haven't had it easy, right? And this is supposed to be easy right now. Four games, two of them are very winnable. And then I'm sure there's part of the the the, the psyche that says, let's get our subs in for the final six minutes on Saturday, kick up our feet and rest for 40 minutes against the number two team in the country at home. 
And that's dangerous to me. And then again, playing Texas Christian in close proximity is is dangerous to me because that team is going to have recall better and the things that they were taught the day before the game on Tuesday are going to come back and be reinforced by tape and by selective memory the day before they play uh, Thursday of this week too. And it's going to make the preparation easier. I don't know if they go 0-2 in that, but I'm curious to see how they respond. And, and, and again, does one loss, perhaps against Baylor, affect them against TCU? Does a shoddy showing, maybe a win against Kansas State, affect them against Baylor? If a loss to Kansas State, boy, those three games, suddenly everything that was supposed to be easy tightens up a little bit too. Just very curious to see what they, they do mentally. They've been pretty strong so far this season. I mean, a lot has happened on and off the floor. You know, transfers, injuries, covid for them and against them, and it's been hard. But when you have something in front of you that's not as difficult as what you're used to, you can embrace it or you can take it for granted. And and to me, that's the great unknown right now. Can I take you somewhere somewhat related to what we're discussing here, but a little bit off topic, I guess? Yeah, go. Yeah. Um, do you see the NCAA release this afternoon? We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Um, uh, release a little bit earlier from the NCAA on contingency plans for covid issues and NCAA tournament teams. Did you see that? I I think it's pretty interesting. Explain though. It's worth it. So uh, basically they're saying that when they announce the teams on selection Sunday, there is about a 48 hour window. If I'm reading this correctly, I've read it moments before we got on this podcast, but if I'm reading it correctly, I believe it's, it's, it's 48 hours after they announce the bracket that teams basically have a, a, not a chance, but if they are are having COVID issues, they are out and they can replace them. But once you get past that 48 hour window, that's it. And anybody that is struggling with COVID or gets hit with COVID after that, they will not replace them. And basically whoever they're supposed to play is getting a buy. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what I thought anybody would do. I'm not sure what the answer was. And, and this probably is the right answer, I guess. I haven't put too much thought into it, but what are your initial thoughts here? I think it's cool that they are setting like a, a barrier that you have to confront and overcome. You probably mm-hmm. need to do that. I don't like the fact of having blanks in the brackets. That just doesn't make sense to me. Um, so that, that has to be reconciled. Find a way. Um, have you heard the NIT theory? No. Ah. If you're in, you're one of the 68 teams playing one of the 67 games. Um, and then two days before, you have one player positive. Well, Dan Gabbett, vice president of basketball in the NCAA, said that should not have a team eliminated. You can play through. Let's assess it and make sure you can field a team, you have scholarship players, so on and so forth. But like contact tracing, it sounds like it's not going to be the thing. I think that's kind of like the fine print here and the unspoken thing that maybe is said out loud. But if a team can't go, you know, what do you do in that 8-9 game? or that 12-5 game, or whatever. You grab a team from the NIT bracket. Uh-huh. Your, your one seeds, your two seeds, whatever, are available. Um, and they understand, like, they're they're the rookie in AAA, or they're the left-handed pitcher in AA who's going to get called up to, <laughs> to play because of an injury or a trade or something like that in the rotation of the batting order that you got to get in and play, which is interesting because if Duke, if Kentucky, if Indiana – if North Carolina, whomever, doesn't make the tournament, a lot of those teams, and particularly this season, would say no thank you to the NIT. Now you might play. Because yeah. if you're Duke and you're number 69, 
well, what if all of a sudden you get a phone call on the day before the tournament because, uh, I don't know, Drake can't play in the tournament. You know, the NBC champions had a couple positive tests and can't go. Hey, can you be the 13 seed? K is all over that, isn't he? I would think Only so. Because he's in the NIT field. So I wonder if you'll see teams accept NIT invitation. It's a proposal. Evidently, it's been talked about. Um, CBS Sports' Matt Norlander has something we have a video up on, on our site. You can go look at it. It's a pretty interesting idea, a proposal that helps the NIT, which, again, may be really watered down this year because the teams that can't or won't play. But maybe you get some of these blue bloods. It's a weird season for college basketball because some of the major names aren't in the rankings, never mind in the NCAA tournament, it seems like. This might be a way to get them in a back door. At the very least, it makes your secondary tournament have some more star power. And, and you know, do they need seats and, and eyeballs and t- on television on the floor? Certainly. But you also have a chance to get them in the tournament. And that's going to be quite a story, too, because here's what happens. Duke's the villain, right? If Duke gets in <laughs> on, a, on a wild card invitation, pencil them in for four wins, don't you think? I was about to ask you, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most likely what are the chances that uh, West Virginia's first or second round opponent <laughs> has to sit out and Duke and or Kentucky is suddenly slotted right in there across from WVU? It's absolutely Kentucky. There's 100% <laughs> chance it's Kentucky for sure. Uh, and I will not miss that press conference, I promise you, because we'll have some good stories there, I'm sure. But then how do you, how do you, how do you suss it out? Is it the one seeds? Do you use the net? What is it? And I'm sure that how they see the NCAA or the NIT is probably very similar to how they would see the NCAA where you go one from 68. But, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe if you have five or six teams that pop out of this and can't play, are you taking six NIT teams in? I don't know. Or what if Duke says no to the NIT, but all of a sudden there's a, a spot available. They were going to be the number one overall seed in the NIT, let's say. And all of a sudden, one of the 68 teams pops out and can't play. Do you call a team that isn't playing in the NIT and isn't planning to play at all in the postseason? Can you do that? I don't know. I think there should be some if-then cover. But I, I have a feeling we're going to hear about that pretty soon. It sounds like there's a plan in place for some format. I'm not sure. But I think that's interesting. I think it would help you know, teams, too, because I, I don't know. Duke doesn't have fans, right, on their on their floor. No. So you might, you might see Duke at, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an NIT team here, like Eastern Kentucky. In a, in a first round game, because you can have fans at Eastern Kentucky, you can't have them at Duke. You're not bringing Duke into the NIT to not have fans. I don't think at this point. So it might be a weird thing. It might be like Kentucky Robert Morris several years ago too, where you don't get that small gym uh, to have a big time opponent like that in there. I uh, who knew that the TBT would be like the front runner on all of these new things that everybody's trying here. You know, they got the Elam ending. They went with the bubble. Uh, they also did. The backup teams, they had they had a full slate of teams, and then they had teams literally literally waiting in the wings for if somebody had to leave because of COVID to just hop right in and replace them. And then replacements for their replacements for their replacements. They were they were ready to go. So kudos to them, and and glad to see uh, you know NCAA kind of following in those footsteps, and and hopefully have something set up to to keep a full field. I like it. Well, that's our just. Quick eh, 30-minute preview of what's going on here. Again, tiebreaker is pretty simple. This is all going to happen on the floor, and it's going to be cut and dry. And if you're West Virginia, you like simple things, this is it. Because you're at home, but also what's at stake is pretty much cut and dry on the table in front of you here. And if you like basketball, this is action-packed. And, and again, some really good games against teams that are playing well, playing better, or playing deep into March. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a feast for the eyeballs here, I think. Yeah, should be a fun week. Should be, uh, you know, I think, man, last year – I, I can hardly even remember how we felt 
coming in to the final couple games and into the tournament. Uh, I know that, you know, obviously that Baylor game towards the end of the year was, was a nice high note, but um, this is a chance for West Virginia to do something special. So I think there's with this four game, it's a nice, nice runway into a postseason where they could, they have the pieces to, to really do something. Can I hit you with some breaking news? Oh God, go ahead. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna break my almost one year wrong long <laughs> of not of not covering games. I'm uh I have my credentials and my parking pass and everything for Kansas State, for Baylor, and for TCU. I cannot do the Oklahoma State one. I'll be covering it, but from a distance, uh, an anti-social distance, as I like to call it, because no one watches games with me anymore. Because I have the TV muted because I can't stand the commentary and it's not very fun. So, uh, but yeah, I'll be back inside the Coliseum for three games, and I'm not sure what type of creative, unique content I can uh, provide, but. I'm off the leash after almost a year of this, so I'm going to go wild. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Looking forward to it. Not not Bruce Weber wild, of course, but, <laughs> but wild all the same. All right, well, that's it for me, Chris. Nothing from you? No, that's it. Uh, we'll have uh, updates. I got a couple of recruiting things going out. West Virginia hosting, hosting virtual visitors left and right nowadays. So a lot of 2022 kids coming in, uh, to, I guess figuratively speaking, um, to see Morgantown, see the campus, see the facilities, and – Got some rave reviews. We've had those up uh, on the site the last couple of days. A couple more coming out later today on Friday. Um, and might be putting in a new crystal ball pick over the weekend. Got to check on a couple things. You know, obviously, we've talked about some recruits in the past, and and there's always two sides to this. How much do the recruits like the co- how how much do the recruits like WVU, and how much does WVU like the recruits? And and you got to double check on that side of things to make sure guys are takes takes it this time. And we'll see. Maybe a new crystal ball could pick coming in, and and uh, this twenty twenty two class can keep moving forward. It's going to be really weird when you crystal ball Paramount Plus. <laughs> I am. Um, it's insane. Like you know, everyone's like, "Hey, why do you keep doing this?" I'm like, "Cause this is it, the fact that they're offering this deal is just absolutely insane to me." And I don't know. Everybody's on the streaming service, and people are paying. You know, you got you, one on one hand, you got people that are asking you to pay ten dollars a month to see their stuff. And all it is is like they're, they're one article a day or something like that. And, you know, or a streaming service is asking you to pay 10, 12, $15. And then we have this where it's all of our stuff, all is to Paramount Plus, all these movies, all the streaming service, all the kids' stuff with no commercials, fewer ads on our site for $4.48 a month. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, and, 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 and to be fair, and and I love this. Trust me, I'm a big fan uh, of this move by everybody. WV fans are jumping all over this, and rightfully so. And uh, you know, I, I I tweeted earlier today. Uh, we're coming for that Texas site. They're one new subscriber ahead of us on the network list. And I mean, I think everybody would love to uh, love to pass Texas and, and move up that list even more. I need more clarity on their March Madness plans. Because like it's all on CBS properties and that everything from Paramount Plus is CBS properties, of course. But it looks like they're they're plugging March Madness on Paramount Plus. I'm like, whoa, that sounds really good. But I mean, granted, it's all on TV now as it is. But like, if you don't have a, a cord because you cut it and you have this app and you can watch all the games, that's I'm putting that in the big letters. <laughs> marquee. Uh, by the way, we need a we need to shout out to Charles Peterson, one of our listeners who was on on our back about Twitter. He's having a hard time, uh, I guess, answering tweets. But also signing up, Charles, pay attention to your tweets. We're trying to communicate with you about how to fix your sign up and everything, too. So this is my way of channeling the conversation with Charles. Please contact us so you can get back in here. Have you heard yeah. from him? 
I have. I saw the tweets as well. I've, I've tried to link him in the right direction. Hopefully we can get him there. Charles, contact us. And we'll wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.